Hello, welcome to chapter four, Developmental Psychology. This is Professor Roseman, and I would like for each of you to start out by considering this Jewish proverb. As at seven, so at 70. Think to yourself, are you the same person you were at age 13, age eight, age three? What has changed and what has ultimately stayed the same? This week, we will explore life through the lens of developmental psychology. How do nature, our genetics, that DNA blueprint we come equipped with, as well as nurture, our learning and experiences, um, factors in our environment, really shape who we become? This is a very fun chapter. I encourage you to apply what you are learning to your own life. Developmental psychologists explore stability and change from womb to tomb. They study physical changes like changes in the brain. They study cognitive changes, changes in the way that we think, and they study social changes, including the way that we form relationships and regulate our emotions. So to get started, I want to explore two major topics with you that can be challenging to understand at first. But I think um, once you grasp hold of them, you will really appreciate these understandings. So first, what can we learn about the nature-nurture debate from twin and adoption studies? Are we all destined to become our mothers and or fathers? Do genes, nature, or life experiences, nurture, shape your traits, personality traits, happiness, more? What's more important? First, it's important to understand that we are all basically one giant family. I'm going to get biological here for a minute. We are like everyone else on earth, and we are exactly like no one else on earth. Each of our stories, though, started pretty much the same way. You began when two cells, an egg and a sperm cell, won the race to get together and fused to become a zygote. This zygote contains the DNA or master code um, with your genetic information, right? Sections of that DNA together form genes and genes code for proteins that determine everything from your eye color to your height to even how relatively shy you may be predisposed to be. So nature, that genetic code, it's really, really important. As a fun fact here, I love twin studies in part because I am a fraternal twin. My twin sister's name is Natalie, and I wondered how many of you out there are twins? In each class I teach, I usually have at least one, um, maybe even two <laughs> sets of twins. So twins allow us to estimate how much variability um, in the population so really, really big picture here. Um, variability in something like height or in something like shyness may be influenced by genetics versus the environment. So in order to get at this question, psychologists compare identical twins who share 100% of their DNA to fraternal twins who share about 50% of that DNA. And then they see how similar each set of twins are. The main idea here is that if you see more similarity in identical twins compared to fraternal twins, you have an idea that genes, or 
or shared genes really influence that trait. Check out how similar identical versus fraternal twins are in the big five personality traits. Um, there's actually a section in chapter 13 when we study personality where we'll come back and think about this, but you're welcome to look ahead there. So twin studies also have limitations. First of all, consider that twins can be raised in very similar environments. So any similarities we see may actually be due more to a shared environment. So there's a unique form of twin study that really attempts to separate genetics from environment. And this type of twin study occurs when psychologists can study twins separated at birth and raised in truly different environments. Um, for example, unique family environments. I posted a video, check out Dr. Segal's videos on twins separated at birth and what they can teach us about traits of interest, everything from shyness um, to things like height. And then psychologists also explore traits of interest, <clears throat> excuse me, like shyness um, or height in adopted families. They ask, are adopted children more similar to their biological um, siblings and parents or their adopted siblings and parents? Twin studies are fascinating. I encourage you to explore additional resources this week. So in addition to twin studies, I wanted to explore with you a second and final topic, which is epigenetics. Before we get into epigenetics, I want to use an example with anxiety. So from time to time, each of us experience anxiety. Connecting to psychological health in chapters 14 and 15, towards the end of this course, we'll explore how common the experience of anxiety is and just how common anxiety disorders are. Now, anxiety itself can be quite adaptive, as you can imagine, um, helping us to keep away from threatening situations and stay safe. But anxiety disorders are characterized by really excessive fears in the absence of danger. Um, usually this anxiety is chronic and tends to place the body in a state of continuous fight or flight, that sympathetic nervous system arousal. As you know, this means people experience a lot of physical symptoms. Um, of anxiety, including increased heart rate, sweating, thoughts that race, um, emotions, like feeling fear. Okay, so when you consider something like anxiety, you might ask, or a psychologist might ask, how much of anxiety is influenced by nature and how much is influenced by nurture? Well, we're going to take it one step further today and understand that anxiety is actually influenced not just by nature and nurture, but by epigenetics. What is epigenetics? This is the idea that factors in our environment, nurture factors, so our learning, our relationships, can actually turn genes on and off. This is mind-blowing and incredibly cool, and I hope you'll um, explore more here. So there's an activity optional below called epigenetics, lick your rats. And the activity is designed to help show you how a nurture factor, like how much time mama rats spend licking their pups, can actually alter the pup's gene expressions around stress and cortisol. Really powerful. Um, please check out that activity at your leisure. It will help you really get a great example and understand epigenetics as well as some of the value of 
basic science research. So research in rats, for example, that can teach us a little bit about human anxieties. To wrap up here, I want to let you guys know that um, chapters one through four really build into a neat package. Um, you will take exam one next week covering chapters one through four. I encourage you to go ahead and print out the study guide, review those essay questions, begin to focus and prepare purposely for exam one. More details to come on the format and announcements. Next week, you will also complete your first writing assignment, journal one, drawing on your knowledge from these first four chapter, chapters to analyze a powerful finding in developmental psychology. Enjoy.